Hello, it's Caroline, and I'm here to tell you that the episode you're about to listen to was recorded a long time ago, back when I used Patreon, back when I ran lots of different workshops and programs that I do not run anymore, and back before the Fuck It Diet book. So if I refer to any of these obsolete offerings while you're listening, just know that even though my Patreon and other programs don't exist anymore, you can find helpful resources by going to thefuckadiet.com slash more. You can also read the beginning of the Fuck It Diet book for free from my site. Lastly, this podcast is extremely messy. And it was actually intentionally messy and unstructured because that was the only way I could inspire myself to start and continue this podcast. I needed the lowest stakes possible. And though this podcast remains very low budget and has remained messy throughout the years until now, if you want slightly more structured and streamlined episodes, listen to the more recent episodes. All right, enjoy. We've been told that calories in versus calories out is how weight works. Eat less than you expend and you'll lose weight, in quotes. But in reality, this is what it really should say. Eat less than you expend and you'll lose weight at first, but then you'll gain it all back and think that it's your fault, but it is actually because your body will compensate your metabolism in order to keep your weight stably around the same place because biologically, that is how we've survived as a species during all those years when food wasn't so easy to ensure or come by. That's how weight works. I understand that it's a mind trip after the simplicity of believing that it's just calories in versus calories out. Because the first few times you dieted, I bet you really did lose weight easily when you restricted calories. And then when you gained it back, you were sure that it was your fault, but it wasn't. Your body made sure that that happened. And it even wanted you to go a bit above where you started just for good measure, literally for your survival. But now you're convinced that if you can just do it like you did it the first time, if you can just diet like you dieted the first time, that you'll lose weight again. And this time, you'll be really careful and you'll keep it off. This time, you'll do it right. This time, you'll succeed and be beautiful and happy forever. But it's harder to do now because your body isn't having any of this shit. You've already pressed your luck and now your body is fighting back even harder, making you hungrier, wiring you to binge and overeat and actually slowing it down your metabolism. So even if you don't eat more, you still gain weight faster. Because even if you happen to muster the willpower to override your body's efforts to make you eat and keep on weight, even if you actually do lose weight again, your body will immediately lower your metabolism and make you expend less in order to eventually bring your weight back up. It will also wire you to crave more food than you ever would have wanted under normal eating and metabolic conditions. And again, guys, that's an example of me going off script, thinking that I didn't include something, and then the very next thing in the post is exactly what I was worried I didn't include. Anyway, It should be noted that increasing exercise will have the same effect on your metabolism. The body will encourage rest to make up for your exertion. And if you force more exertion, it'll just slow down your system altogether. There is a good reason why Michael Phelps ate 12,000 calories a day, or so they reported, or so he said, though he may have even had more. That's what extreme exercise requires. And it's also around the amount that men rehabilitating from semi-starvation ate after the Minnesota starvation experiment on some days. 
So for any of you who thinks that weight is just a matter of decreasing your consumption and are confused and frustrated that it's not working anymore, I had a typo. It's just because your body wants you to chill the F out and start eating normally again. It also wants you to put on weight. You know why? Weight is actually healthy. Letting yourself gain weight actually is the only way to heal your metabolism. Paradoxically, once you stop trying to control your appetite and finally eat whatever it wants, even if it's a lot, it'll heal. It'll speed up. It'll trust that there is food. And that is the surest way to have a healthy, stable weight and appetite for you. Bring on the calories. You are listening to the Fuck It Diet Radio. My name is Caroline Dooner. I'm the creator of the Fuck It Diet. That was from a new post called Calories In Versus Calories Out is Bullshit. And you can read that over at thefuckadiet.com slash blog. And I just want to say that this podcast content is shaped by my new posts, but also the questions that are asked over at patreon.com slash carolineduner, which is my name. So if you would like to ask questions for this podcast, it's a pay what you can community. And for as little as $1 a month for now, it's the way it is. I'm trying to make it super cheap for now. You can connect with other fucketeers over there and ask me questions that I'll answer on the podcast. And I also have higher rewards like monthly energy work and secret posts. You can also support this podcast for free by rating and reviewing the F it diet radio. That's F is in fuck on iTunes. Okay, so the next part of this particular episode is going to be me answering questions and talking about other anti-diet things that have come up over the past couple weeks for me that I want to mention. So over on Patreon, first of all, Jennifer posted and said, Oh wow, I just realized my husband brought home two boxes of Girl Scout cookies three days ago and I haven't even thought about them. Um, there was a day when thin when thin mints would have been devoured instantly. It feels like a sign that sh- that things have shifted. That is awesome, Jennifer. And again, for anybody who's listening who's new, the idea isn't to not eat Girl Scout cookies. The idea is to be able to eat Girl Scout cookies when you actually want them and not just eat them because you feel so deprived, because you're so hungry, because you've been on a diet for so long, because you feel like a monster around food, because you feel like a sugar addict, because you're not really allowing it enough. And the beautiful paradox is when you actually feed yourself those foods, your body literally gets out of a crisis mode and is not trying to wire you to be obsessed with food and to binge and to get as much in as you can. It's physical. It's a physical and chemical shift that happens, which affects your brain because higher hunger hormones lowers your metabolism, but also makes you overfixate on food because you need it. Okay. So awesome. Jennifer, thank you for sharing that. Um, Rachel asked, Hey, Caroline, a general question for the podcast tips on how to seek a primary care physician who is fat positive or at least health at every size adjacent. Um, and then question just for me, do you know of someone trustworthy in Philly? I am so sorry not to have better resources on this, to not be able to really help and handhold people through this because I know this is a major major sticky point with the fuck a diet and it's a it's a painful part of the process because 
so much of the fear around weight is about health. And if you have a doctor who is still stuck in the old paradigm of believing that weight equals, you know, lack of health or weight means that you're not healthy, um, it's really, really hard. It is possible. It's livable. There are scripts that are in Health at Every Size book um, that I do recommend that you check out. That will have the best terminology to use to empower you to really communicate well with healthcare providers. Um, but you can also go to the Health at Every Size website and there is, is a directory there. But I basically, the issue is that there aren't enough fat positive Health at Every Size practitioners. So I do recommend that you try to empower, empower yourself, try to ask the right questions, have you know a script and resources at your disposal. However, the issue is that we need to spread the word about it essentially and it it's just the beginning. So I'm really sorry that I don't have more to help you with here except that I really, really hope and believe that this movement is picking up a little bit and that in time there will be more and more doctors who understand how important fat positivity and health at every size is. But until then, uh, try to call before going and uh, maybe in the very least it will bring to their attention the book Health at Every Size and the movement Health at Every Size. I know that that's frustrating. It's really annoying that it has to fall on you to almost be an activist for yourself. But I think that's where we are right now. And it sucks. But please share with us anything you experience or you find. Um, positive reactions, negative reactions. I think it'll help other people who are trying to do the same thing. And to be totally upfront, I've never had to do this for myself. Even though I was diagnosed with PCOS where they do focus on weight. Um, I've never had to deal with weight stigma like this from a doctor. Um, in smaller, more insidious ways, yes, but still through the lens of thin privilege. And even to this day, I, I do have to tell doctors that I don't want to talk about food, I don't want to talk about weight because I've had an eating disorder. That's what I say, even though that's only half true depending on how you define eating disorder. But that is my way of shutting them up. And you can absolutely employ that as well. Um, there's still stigma around eating disorders and size. So there will be doctors who think that what you mean is that you have binge eating disorder. So it's just, it's a huge mess. It's a big, fat, bureaucratic, and educational mess. Meaning doctors are not being educated on the dangers of fat stigma and health at every size. So again, please update. I, I hope that it goes well. And um, I send you all of the strength in the world. Okay, so here is the next question from Lisa. She said, how much fuck it mentality do you use to approach alcohol? Background, I love drinking and I drink more than the average person, particularly wine. I make a mean margarita and I just discovered this awesome cranberry lemon vodka drink that makes me think of summer. I don't have a drinking problem, never have, blah, blah, blah. 
She added the blah, blah, blah. I didn't. However, since adapting my mindset to the fuck it diet approach, a happy two week anniversary to me, I just bought bigger pants and shirt and I love them. Great. Good job. I am drinking alcohol every day. I haven't stopped myself from it, but I'm definitely wondering what's up. I know that historically the days that I drank, I was able to lighten up on my restrictive eating, but for the last two weeks, drinking or not, and I mean like a bottle of wine, I've only over ate and felt uncomfortable two of those nights. It's a little bit confusing to me, so I'm going to try to figure that out after I read through the rest of it. Perhaps I was using alcohol as a tool more than I understood that I was. Am I still fighting mental restriction because I'm wondering how much alcohol is too much? Because I feel fine. Perhaps I was restricting alcohol more than I thought I was. I would very much appreciate anyone's insight on this. So with that, I would love to open this up also to anyone else who's in Patreon to comment on this. Find this in the community area and give your experience and your opinion. I'm of course going to give mine right now on this podcast. She also updated um, to say, I've been thinking a lot more about it and here is my mental and physical update. Not restricting the wine has felt really good. Not worrying about it has felt really good. And I am and I am not dehydrated, nor do I wake up hungover. So I'm thinking it's working for me right now. Looking forward to your podcast insights on this. So I have a very good friend who is a nutritionist. She's really into health. She follows the fuck it diet too. She's really into energetics. She's like a super aware healthy but but sane like she believes in health at every size and not restricting blah, blah blah and she drinks every day and she feels fine I on the other hand cannot drink to save my life at this point because I personally always have had chronic health stuff that affects my liver I have just, my body is just like dealing with a lot. I can eat whatever I want and feel totally fine. But as soon as I drink alcohol, I feel horrible. I can't sleep well. I feel exhausted immediately. I just, my body needs help. I'm working with a natural doctor to try and get my body to a place where it's supported and has good detox pathways, naturally, lymph movement, blah, 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 blah. Of course, all from a fuck a diet lens, of course. And you better believe that I'm gonna bundle up all of this knowledge that I learn about what I'm applying to myself health-wise, personally, through the fuck a diet and share it in the future. But right now, I'm in experimentation mode. Anyway, that being said, I genuinely believe that some people can physically handle alcohol more than others. That being said, is it a way to distract yourself and sort of numb out Um, Just like everything else, just like um, using social media, using praise, using exercise, using dieting, using food, using a TV binge, all of these things aren't inherently dysfunctional in and of themselves. They are ways that we distract ourselves from our bodies, from our emotions, from what we need to feel and face. And... The answer is not to stop the thing necessarily, especially when it comes to food, obviously. 
But the answer is to become willing to feel, to become willing to be a little bit more aware of what we don't want to face, what we don't want to feel. That is my most general answer. So do I think that you drinking every day, even though you feel fine, is a problem? No, not necessarily. Do I think it's something that you might want to look at? Sure, just like everything. I think that people should look at every single thing that they do. If I were my own coach, I would tell myself to really, really look at how often I check my phone and how I bring my phone into bed with me and how I say that I'm going to bed and then I go read like The Bachelor recaps until 1 a.m., which is my normal bedtime. But yeah, I think that we need to examine our habits because there's no problem in drinking. There's no problem in binging on TV. There's no problem on having social media accounts or or being praised, you know, and feeling good about that. But it's when we use that to try and stop feeling the other things that are true for us and often older things that we are really resistant to feeling. That's so much of what I do with the energy work. Um, I really do believe that dieting and trying to become thinner is one of the ways that we try to control our experience, try to sort of avoid the messy human emotions that we're so afraid of. And so, so much of my work has become about guiding people back into their bodies in order to begin to do that. So I think that's something that you can explore. I definitely think that there's a sign that if when you stopped restricting, you've been drinking more. So maybe, so I, that, I, that could definitely be a reaction to mental restriction with alcohol before. Like I shouldn't, um, I shouldn't have more. And you're sort of just like letting the pendulum swing. And as long as you have a willingness to just be aware and examine and begin to find ways to start feeling all of the things that humans in general try to avoid with a million different distractions, you're going to be fine. I, I do believe that. Um, I, I drank way more in the beginning of my fuck a diet. I was way more used to having wine all the time. I was way more social <laughs> at the time. I was living in New York City. I was, uh, I was doing a lot of theater shows. I was doing a lot of improv. I was doing a lot of like online dating. I was like always out having wine and it was just a part of my fuck diet and I felt totally fine. And to be perfectly honest with you, because I was willing to, I was willing to feel, I was willing to do the emotional work slowly and steadily. It really was something I was always aware of and I wasn't using it to avoid all of my pain. I was doing it because it was fun and I was also spending time in my life trying to face stuff. And in that way, drinking was never a problem for me either. Um, it was definitely something that I maybe was in more of a habit with. And when I started to notice that I personally really didn't feel good on alcohol, um, I, which again, I don't think will be the case for everyone because not everyone has the same like health profile or genetic, you know, like detox capabilities or whatever. But 
when I started to feel that I didn't feel good, it really bumped me out because I think it's a really fun social way to connect with people. But over time, my intuition and my my feeling what is right for me and what feels good and supportive to where I am right now with my relationship to my health and my body, it's really easy not to drink that much. Um, and that I can attribute to the fuck it diet too because I am so in tune with my body and there's no perfectionism here. Like I will have two glasses of wine and I call it an experiment and sometimes I feel fine and sometimes I feel horrible and it's just like there's no way to figure everything out perfectly because it's always changing and evolving. So basically I I believe that my good relationship with alcohol right now is because of the fuck it diet. It's because I'm allowed to have it and I'm really willing to look at how I use modes of control or distraction or numbing not in an obsessive way because we never get it perfect but in a way where I'm really willing to to kind of make this the the long journey so now that I'm normal with food the question is how do I how do I have a similar relationship that I had with food with other areas of my life and that's the lifelong journey right so essentially that's my that's my response to your question I don't think it's inherently a problem but I do think it's something just to look at just like we look at every other thing that we do in our lives um and I would love to hear what other people have to say about this uh Lisa also posted another thing that she said I just experienced a magical new form of meditation and I wanted to share it to see if anybody else has tried this um, has ideas or resources. I completed an at-home dance meditation called Aya. And she shared a link. Uh, I completed part of the session. It was tiring, focusing on my heels and grounding with the earth. Apartment floor, but still, she said. But I basically just floated around and jammed and felt my body. Amazing. I feel incredible. Who has done this before? Has anyone done it long-term? I'd love insights. Cheers and thank you, Lisa. Um, I've never done that before, but I do want to look it up. I think I looked it up when you first sent it to me and I thought it looked so cool. I know Koya, which is pretty similar. It's like meditative, grounding, feeling, spontaneous dance to connect to your body, to connect with your intuition. And I am into that. I don't do it all the time, but I do have this desire to do it. And I just want to say, this is the kind of thing, if you're doing this, if you're doing anything, anything that feels good, any desire to get into your body, to ground, to feel, to inhabit your body, to connect with your life and your emotions and your feelings and the people in your life, like your drinking is fine and it's going to evolve. If you're really willing to feel your body, your relationship with food and alcohol will evolve exactly as it should, whatever that means. And I genuinely don't believe that the goal is to is to not drink like my goal is to drink more (laughs) my current goal with my current health is to get to a place where my body has the support to be able to drink more so anyway not against drinking but that is my personal opinion and experience there and I am fascinated to hear other people's of course anyone who's had a drinking problem who cut out alcohol feels better I support that as well I support whatever feels right where you are in your life right now to connect to your body essentially 
<sighs> Let's see. That might be it because I think, yeah, I already answered the next one. Okay, so that's all for the questions right now. I want to talk about one last thing. So I've gotten really into Shark Tank, which is the show where entrepreneurs come in and pitch their ideas, good, bad, brilliant, really idiotic, all across the board to these investors. And this woman came in and she, this is like a couple seasons ago, and she pitched this skinny mirror to them. And she was like, I was having, I was, she was like, I was having really low self-esteem and I didn't like what I saw in the mirror. So I created a mirror that makes you look thinner because when you like what you see in the mirror, you're confident. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like this girl is like, it was so weird to watch because I was like, you're like, you, you understand like the very tip of the iceberg, like the very beginning of changing your relationship to your body. She had the understanding that if you like what you see in the mirror, if you decide to like what you see in the mirror, if you are happy with yourself, it doesn't matter what you look like out in the world. Like that, like she thought she was being empowering because essentially was she was saying like, it doesn't really matter what you look like. It just matters what you feel. She was saying that, but yet her way to feel better and more beautiful was to trick herself into thinking that she was thinner, which then is just making it backwards. And it's like not actually healing the the deeper issue, but it's this weird, weird band-aid that like makes it all sort of unravel. She did not get an investment because everyone was like, of course, all the investors, you know, like most people in the world are not fat positive and they believe that losing weight is healthy. So they didn't like it because they thought that it was irresponsible because it was not showing people the truth. Like if they wanted to lose weight, they should just lose weight. So obviously none of none of this episode was was fat positive or health at every size. However, the girl was like like halfway understanding, but then the application of how she got to confidence was this weird like tricking her eyes into thinking she was thinner. And then she was also selling the mirror to stores, which is like really fucked up. And they didn't like that, of course. But she was like, no, I want everyone to have one in their home so they feel good when they look in the mirror. And then if they feel good, you know, that's all that matters. And I was like, oh girl, you're like, you're like a quarter of the way there. Um, so nobody invested, thank God. Um, they thought it was out of integrity because essentially she's uh, she's like tricking, you know, as it were, as it was, she was tricking, she was helping stores trick people into buying clothes and not knowing how they looked in the clothes. But oh my God, it's just such a mess, such a, a weight-fearing mess. Um, but what I realized as I was watching it is that ever since I moved into this house, which was a little over a year ago, there's a there's a full-length mirror up in the bedroom that they put on the wall. It's like a super cheap one. They put it on the wall, I realize now, to cover up where the brick is essentially water damaged. 
So when brick is water damaged, it like it like has this like deposit and it's like all flaky and puffy underneath the paint. And it's such a mess and it's so depressing and you you press it and it's like sand in there. Anyway, so they put this they put this full length mirror, this like super cheap bendy full length mirror over it so I couldn't you know like I didn't notice that during the inspection and during like all the times I visited the house but it's it's a mirror that's bent and so it makes me look bigger than I am which I'm totally used to it like I I I like would like a better full-length mirror that's like actually accurate but my house is so small and there's no there's like no room for it except for right there where it is on the wall and so I would need to buy a better one and maybe fix the wall so it's like a whole thing so I have this mirror that makes me look bigger wider than I am essentially and I kind of know that that's true but I forget all the time so that's just I look in the mirror and I look bigger than I am and I'm totally fine with it. I'm sure that before the fuck a diet, I would have like an existential crisis every morning, but it it's literally like a non-issue to me. And then when friends come over and they come up, they're like, what is wrong with your mirror? You need to get a new mirror. And I'm like, nah, I kind of like it. Like, I kind of like that I, that I like, it's this weird, like reverse, like not reverse psychology, but this, um, you know, I really, when I know that I can, that I like forget and I think that I look bigger than I do and I'm like totally fine with it. Um, I know that the fuck a diet works. I really, really do. And so if you want to go extreme, get a mirror that makes you look bigger than you do. Love yourself anyway. Decide to feel good because of that. And then when you go out into the world, you'll really be happy. Opposite of what that skinny mirror girl wanted. Okay. Um, and then the only weird thing is that when I do sometimes pass mirrors, I'm thinner than I think I am, and it's very weird. But it doesn't matter, so it just it just doesn't matter. It really just doesn't fucking matter. Okay. Um, what else? Okay, one last thing before we go for this week is that my friend wrote to me recently. She is in... She's in grad school. She works so hard. She's an amazing, brilliant woman who's like running her own business in uh, business school at at Yale. And she wrote to me, and I want to uh, I want to read what she wrote to me, and then I want to read you my response because it might be helpful to you if you're so tired too. She wrote, "SOS, so tired." Caroline, I'm writing to you in the hopes of drawing on your expertise in a moment of confusion. I am suddenly so tired. I start, excuse me, (laughs) sorry guys. I start the day with energy, but by six or so, when I would usually have hours of focus left in me, I'm done. I'm through. I need to do nothing for the rest of the night. It's been like this for weeks. I rested heavily over winter break, sleeping 10 to 12 hours-ish a night for a month exclamation point in parentheses, and then I haven't been able to get back into the flow since then. Do you have any brilliant recommendations? Generally, I've been able to start the day at 8.30, plow through till at least 9 or 10 at night with minimal breaks. What's happening to me? I know this isn't 100% fuck it diet related, but it seems like the kind of issue you might have some thoughts on, and I'd be so grateful to hear them. So this is what I responded, and I'm sharing this with you because I think that this could be helpful 
to other people. And it's consistent with what I've said about rest in the past, but let's go. I say, hello, in my opinion, and this, this is a super natural and normal response. If you think about it, years and years of working 8.30 to 9 or 10 at night is really exhausting. But in our culture, we're just expected to do it nonstop. Sometimes vacation gives your body and soul a chance to start resting. And then when it's done, like the vacation is over, your body is like, wait, 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 that's what I need more of. So why are we stopping? So you can feel even more tired because the body was about to surrender to rest and to healing, but you didn't give it a chance. So you're sort of like stuck in this middle ground where your body is still hoping that you're going to give it the rest that you began to give it. So I said a few things are true. Rest does lead to more energy, but we often need way more than we think is reasonable. I also asked if she was feeling inspired by her work at the time because that's another thing that can factor in and make me personally more tired. When I don't like what I'm doing or I don't like the project I'm doing or I have to do something that is not fully in alignment with what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm just like I don't have the energy for it. But that's not always the case. Sometimes we're just tired. So in a situation where you can't rest as much as you need to, like grad school, taking dedicated rest time during the workday might be helpful. I recommend taking 30 minutes-ish out of your day to do either a lie down, a guided meditation, or specifically, I'm getting really into this and I'm, I want to share this with people, yoga nidra, which is a specific form of resting, it's, it's a form of yoga, but it's you're just lying there and you're listening to a guided meditation and you're doing a body scan and it's meant to rejuvenate the body and get to a state of deep rest while you're still awake. I'm getting into it right now, I say, and I'm actually doing my yoga teacher trainer, yoga teacher training book report on it. It is guided yogic sleep, in quotes, that is meant to refresh the entire being through deep guided relaxation. You could just look at you could look up different guided meditations on apps, an app like Insight Timer. I am not affiliated with Insight Timer, but I did just start using it. You could read the book Daring to Rest, a book which is explain it explains pretty well what Yoga Nidra is and why. Or the original book Yoga Nidra that I had to buy used that was like printed in India. So I think it's kind of hard to find. I hope that this is helpful. That's what I said to her. But I also hope that it's helpful for you because I know that some of you out there are working this many hours a day. And when I say rest, the response is, well, I don't know. I can't. I can't physically rest. I can't do it. I want to, but I'm... I have to be on my feet for this many hours a day, blah, blah, blah. I have three kids. I can't rest even when I get sick. You know, they're there. And I I understand. I totally do. My life is purposely set up to let me rest, especially right now, way more than most people can. And so taking a very, very dedicated chunk of time during the day, if you have to have a really long day, can be make or it can really make or break your energy levels and your ability to physically and emotionally continue on. And I do recommend trying Yoga Nidra because it's super cool. Um, I can't tell you that it's the the be-all, end-all. I don't think anything is the be-all, end-all. But I do think that certain things can be super helpful and or we can learn from certain things and realize that we like something about it but want to try to find something else that has a different aspect. Um, This is where we are right now. Calories in versus calories out is bullshit. 
Alcohol isn't inherently a problem. Feeling your body is the answer. Calling around to different doctors to see if they are hip to health at every size is what I recommend. It's not ideal. I wish there was a comprehensive list and that there were many, many, many doctors on it. And I do believe that one day that will happen. Unfortunately, right now, we're kind of in the beginning phases of this. And uh, don't, uh, don't get a skinny mirror and think that it's going to make you more confident. In fact, get a mirror that makes you look bigger if you want to go down this route at all. And lastly... Try to find time to rest during the day because it will rejuvenate you. And I do recommend trying Yoga Nidra. It's super cool. Um, I love the body scan part of it. And I feel like it's a really nice way to bring you back into your body, which is so much of what I'm talking about all the time now with the emotional part of the fuck a diet. And other than that, guys, thank you for listening. I have been posting podcast episodes twice a month. That's my plan for 2018. So far, so good. And of course, if you would like to support this podcast, you can either leave a great review on iTunes to help other people find it. It really does help other people find it. Or you can come over to patreon.com slash carolineduner and join in over there, ask questions for this podcast, or even get higher rewards like energy work. And other than that... Thank you for listening. I know this is hard, but we're doing it and it's super worth it. And I will talk to you next time.